Happy New Year. It's great to see you guys. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here. If you're new this morning, a special welcome to you. We are so glad, so, so glad that you are here. And I am personally so glad that I looked at the weather this morning and it said high of 60 degrees. Anybody feel it? Amen. I know one thing God's not calling me to, and that's live any further north than I live right now. Just kidding. I better be careful saying things like that. (laughs) I was talking to uh, one of our members who's up in Minnesota right now, and uh, he called me this week, and I said, how are things? He said, dude, I need to move south. And I said, come on back, brother. It's only 10 degrees here. Um, It's like negative 20 up there. Anyway, Happy New Year. We're so glad to see you. I hope you are having a great uh, few days, and I guess almost two weeks now into this new year. This morning is like... Super Bowl Sundays of ICC, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Um, it is our Vision Sunday. Anybody excited about this? Look at the logo. Even made it look like a football. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Um, Vision 2014. I guess it could look like an eye, too. All you optometry people, I guess that could be like an eye. Anyway, Vision 2014. We are so glad that you're here this morning. We're you know, I love the start of every year. Uh, do you like the start of New Year's? I, I love the start of a new year. It's just like any good book. You know, sometimes when you're reading uh, in, a, in a book, it's like, is this chapter going to end already? You ever feel that way? And it feels good to get to the end of the chapter and be able to flip the page and start a new one. Anybody with me? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, I love that God is a God of new beginnings. We have a God of new beginnings. And I love that at the start of each new year, it's, it's almost like he's flipping the page for us in the book of our life. And a new chapter begins, and there's a fresh slate before you. And I think it's a great time. I mean, personally, um, I've always really liked the new year and kind of doing some self-exercises around the new year of trying to figure out, okay, like, let's look back at, the way it was in 2013, celebrate the things that God did, celebrate the faithfulness of God in your life, celebrate the goals that were fulfilled, and but also to look back and be like, ew, like, I don't really want to carry that into 2014. Anybody got that? Okay, I'm the only one? Okay, a few of us are, are, are we've got some things that we want to let go of uh, and say, goodbye, 2013, hello, 2014, right? Some of us have those things that we're excited to move into. Um, it's a good time of year. If you haven't done those personal reflections, it's only January 12th, just so you know. And it's not too late to take time to do those kind of reflections in your own life prayerfully, seriously, and uh, try to keep to resolutions longer than a few days, all right? We all have resolutions that we make, and some of you have already broken your resolutions uh, in the first 12 days of this year. But um, anyway, it's a great time. And that's exactly what we're doing as a church. All right, I got a question for you. We're going to be looking at Vision 2014 today for us as followers of God and for us as a church. Um, but I want to start with this question. And I want you to work through it with your neighbor. I ask you the question, and you've got to answer the first thing that comes out of your mouth to your neighbor. Okay, you only got like 20 seconds to do this together. So first thing that comes out of your mouth, just whatever it is, you just say it. Who are you? Go. Okay, 
That's, that should have been enough. Some of you guys are really complex people. Why are you still talking? <laughs> Golly, you answered in like five sentences. That was, you, you're a really amazing person. Um, who are you? Who, who in the room just gave their name? <laughs> you guys are a little bit too shallow, okay? I'm just, just throwing that out there. You might want to go a little bit deeper 2014. That should be a resolution. I want to go deeper in life. All right. Who gave their husband or wife's name or their significant other's name? I'm Michelle's husband. Oh, good. One. You just did that for brownie points. Whatever. Um, who gave their job? Okay, a few. Who gave uh, their parents or family? A few. Who gave where they live? Okay, a few. Interesting. It's interesting when we start thinking about you know, that question, who are we? A um, lot of different responses. And it all has to do with how we see our central identity and our central, you know, really what is core to who we are, which is why I'm kind of sad for those of you who only listed your name. Um, just kidding. Your name is a great name. What I want to look at this morning is the second part of that question because we can ask the same thing for the church. Who are we? Who are we? Who are we as a church, as a group of folks who are gathered together, united in God, who, who are we? How would you answer that question? Now, what is typical when people start asking this question and, and, and answering this question and it's as it relates to church? Because we're going to be looking at God's vision and direction for us personally and as a church. See, the church is only a big group of individuals who love God and are following him, right? We, we, the church is not an institution. But at the same time, when you ask the question, who are we, and it gets answered for the church, here's what often happens, all right? I've got a little drawing up here on the screens for you to look at. You ever been to the beach? Anybody ever been to the beach? Okay. Have you ever seen those houses that are built on the stilts? Or do you call them stilts? Yeah? I don't know what you call them. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about? You go to the beach and you see the houses and they're like built up like eight, 10 feet off the ground. Well, often what happens when you go to answer the question, who are we as a church? What is the church? What are we about? Often what happens is it's, it's a lot like one of these houses. You go to the beach. One of our favorite places to go is in Fairhope, Alabama. And there's this place that Michelle's family has gone forever. It's where we got engaged. All the women say, Oh, yeah. It's where we got engaged. And there are these awesome, like, houses down in Fairhope that sit right on the bay, like where the bay meets the ocean. And, like, what you notice about these houses, typically, as you walk by the little, the pathway that we love strolling by in the mornings after our big breakfast, you go by and you look into these yards and you're like, wow, like, how awesome would it be to live there, right? Or just to have that house as, like, a weekend house. Anybody with me take that as just a weekend house? Sure, whatever. You're never going to happen. Anyway, we go by, and what we notice, though, about the house is typically what we see below the actual house, because it's where they, the family spends most of their time, because it's near the water, and they have all these porches, and all this landscaping, and these beautiful patios, and it's just like, wow, that's where, it seems like that's really what it's all about, and that's where it's happening. Well, a lot of times, when you answer the question about what is the church, and who is the church, a lot of times, the attention gets put on stuff that is actually you could call it like lower room stuff. It's stuff that gets noticed a lot and you, the attention gets drawn to it a lot and it seems like that's where a lot of the activity is happening. Now, for instance, 
one of the things you can answer is, well, who are we? We're about people. You know, when I think of church, I think about all the people that I know and love in church. Anybody like that? Anybody love people in this church? If you don't, please don't tell your neighbors, all right? But a lot of times when we think about church, we think, oh, my buddy, you know, that's my, that's my, my small group. I hang out with those folks. When I think about church, I think about going to meet people that I know and love on Sundays. And sometimes we can identify who is the church by the people that are there. Another thing that gets identified very often is this place. When I think about church, oh yeah, it's that, that St. Jude building. That, remember, you know, ICC, they just got that building from St. Jude and they renovated it. And, you know, that's the church. So I, I go to church and I think about the church as this building. And man, that's awesome. Like we have this cool space. I think it's one of the most cool spaces in all of downtown Memphis. Nobody agrees. I, I think it's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I love this church. Like, this church is rad, man. Like, they've got so much cool stuff and coffee that I really like. It's the place. It's the brick and mortar. It's the place. Seems to get some attention. Another thing people look to is this. Programs. A lot of times you think of church and you think, oh, yeah, they're the folks that serve down at the homeless mission. Or they take care of families over at St. Jude Target House. Man, that church goes on a lot of mission trips. That's who we are. We, we're, we are a doing church. They're busy. And every time I think about the church, I think about that favorite ministry that I have. Church to me is this. It's the activity that I'm involved in. It's what the church does. That's what we're about. Well, fourth one. And I'll bear our last one for this discussion. Another answer sometimes people give is it's the personalities of the church. And by that, I'm, I mean a lot of times the animated leadership of the church. Now, I use animated because I feel very animated a lot of times, right? Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's the church where, where Robbie leads worship. He's awesome. He's so cool. He's like hipster pastor. <laughs> I can't believe that church has such cool guys leading worship. Or they say, hey, you know, the, that church is where that goofball Barrett, they let him stand up every week and teach. How in the world does that happen? And the church begins to get defined by its leadership, by big personalities or the vision of those personalities. I mean, it, it just becomes about the people who are leading the church. Now, I would imagine that some of you guys have probably might have had a tendency to answer the question of who is the church with one of these things. And these things are good things. Actually, on the left there, you see, we see these things as provisions of God for the church. These are wonderful blessings of God for the church that are used in service of his work through the church. But let me tell you, these are lower room things. Just like when you go to the beach and you see all that down there at the houses, don't get too excited about all that stuff because what can happen is this. Boom. The reason houses are built like that is because storms come and can sweep away any of that stuff down lower at any time. Any of that stuff can be totally washed away. What's below that house line, down underneath, 
is not essential to that structure. Same is true in the church. At any time, people can come and go. In fact, in my almost five years here, it's hard to believe, people have come and gone from this church. We have had great friends that have come and great friends that have gone. Church is not about the people that are here at any given time, though I love the people that are here at any given time. Church is not about the place where we meet. Just months ago, we were meeting in a hotel. Just a few years before, we were meeting in a schoolroom. And just a few years before that, we were meeting in a living room. We are here now, but it is not about this place because we can move, I'm hoping we do soon because we run out of room, in another few years. It's not about the programs that we have. Those can come and go. It's not even about the personalities that are here because you know what? I may not be here forever. And hipster pastor, who knows what he's going to do? He's so cool and popular. Right? So all of that, just like what's under the house, could come and go. It's not, it's a wonderful provision of God for the season, but it is not central to answering the question, who are we? For that answer, you've got to go to what is permanent, what is timeless. You've got to go to what is lasting, what the church can actually be built upon and grow upon in its life. And that is this simply, the vision. It's the vision of the church, of God that the church embraces. It's the vision that is in that upper room, in that place of permanence. It's that that is, should, should lead the church and guide the church and animate and motivate and move the church all of its days. When we answer the question, who are we as a church, as we look forward into 2014... And as you think about getting involved in your own life and the things that God wants for you and the the ministries that he wants you to pursue, you've got to keep the central things central. It's about the vision that he has for us. And so what I want to do this morning is essentially build a staircase for you and move you out of the lower room and get you up to the upper room. See, in Jesus' ministry, there were lots of people who were part of the crowd who just kind of all they saw was all this, the food that he handed out and the, you know, the miracles that he did. And they, they watched from a distance and all they saw was the lower room kind of stuff. But what God is wanting is people to, it's, it's the 120 that gathered in the upper room that day, as we read in Acts chapter one, that were waiting and praying that so understood the central vision and purpose and plan of God that they had been, they are sold out for it completely sold out because they got it. They got the vision. And this morning, my prayer for you is I want you to move out of just seeing your life about all this stuff that maybe or maybe not is central and get your heart and get your life to a place where you're completely embrace the central vision, the big picture, the eternal thing that matters the most in your life in terms of relationship with God and how you live your life in this world. Track it with me? So can I have your permission to do that this morning? That's what we're trying to do, okay? Answer the question, who are we? And it's all about vision. Now to answer, the obvious question then is so, okay, Barrett, <laughs> what is it? Because it's not just enough for you to say, okay, it's about vision. I, I need to know what it is. What is the vision? As you look forward into this year, how would you answer that question? 
What does God want for you this year? Maybe you've never asked the question. It'd be a good time to start right now. What is, what is the vision that God has for you in the next year? And if you multiply that out, all of us together as people of God form the church, what is the vision that God has for us collectively in the next year? And it's the same personally and collectively. Two scriptures I want to point you to this morning. And first, you'll open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43. There's, there's just two simple verses that I want to point your attention to. And then it's going to kind of come together and we'll tie a little bow around it. And hopefully you'll get it and embrace it and ask God to set your heart on fire for it. And there's a ton of verses that I could go to, a ton of verses that all point to the kind of central things. Two real central things that we see. One is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. Everybody there? It's on the screens if you don't have your Bible. It says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Talking about you. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and who I made. Bring my sons in, bring my daughters, bring them in. Every one of them who's called by my name, who I created. This is God speaking. I created for a purpose, for my glory. Who I formed and who I made. You know, the central vision that God has for your life is for you to get that your life is about God. Your life is not about you. See, we live in these little, very self-centered, small little worlds when we think it's all about me, 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 me. The story that is written is all about me, and I'm the central star. That's just false. It's just bunk, and it's petty, and you'll waste your life if that's the biggest vision that you have. God's truth for us is this, that your life is about him. See, out of the over, you know, God didn't have to create us. God was perfect in every way, completely satisfied in who he himself was. Out of the overflow of who he was, he wanted to share. In his creation, he's creating you. He formed you. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that he formed you in your mother's womb. He created you. You have a purpose because God intentionally created and formed you. Now, why did he create you? Why are you here? What is your life all about? It's about what Isaiah 43 says. It's about him. See, life makes the most sense when you realize that it's about God. You will be completely frustrated, unsatisfied, with your longings unfulfilled until you get this, that your life is not about you, it's about God. It's about his glory being tasted and enjoyed in your own heart. When I say these words, this should resonate with the true believer. You should have a real, personal experience with the living God that truly satisfies your heart. 
that you can say God is glorious and it not just be words from your tongue, but a true sentiment of the deepest part of your being. God has made you that you might know him and that through you, he also may be known. Not only that you might know him as glorious, but that your life as it is lived for him might echo the praises of his excellency. You should be like a mirror. Okay? Everybody hold up your hands like this. Yeah, this is going to be awkward. Come on, some of you guys are not playing along. Too cool for school. Yeah, you hold up your hands like this. Those who listen online, you just flat hands right in front of your chest. You're, you're acting like a mirror, okay? Your job, okay, kind of pointed up at the sun. Good, good. Your job is to be like a mirror. You are to be a mirror. When people look at you, they shouldn't see you. They should see God in you. You are to reflect back to God his glory. You are to make him look great in your life. Does that make sense? Your life is for him. What's the vision that God has for you? Oh, I'm telling you this year, more than ever, he wants you to be satisfied in his glory and he wants you to live for his glory among all people. And the good news for you, some of you, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Some of you this morning think, okay, I get it, but I feel far, far away. I just wanna tell you again that God loves you. He did create you and all of us like sheep have gone astray, but God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live and die and be raised again for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could have life again. And if you'll put your trust in him, I promise you, God will come into your life again and restore the glory that he originally intended to be. Receive the gift of life this morning if you've never done that. First vision is for you to live for the glory of God. The second is this. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. I go to it again and again because it's so central to understanding the vision that God has for our life. I'm telling you, if you don't get this scripture, some of you know the scripture, but you still haven't gotten it. And it needs to sink in today. This is what God's wanting you to do. This is the great commission, as many people call it. It's his simple instruction to his disciples that carries on to us as his church. You, as a disciple, us, as a group of his disciples, the church. Starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many verbs do you see in this passage? All right, guys, any English majors? You know what a verb is? Just messing with you. How many verbs? Okay, you got go, you got make disciples, baptizing, teaching. You got it? Four? Four verbs. Now, some of you have heard this, me teach this before, so you know where I'm going to go. Only one of the verbs in the original language is an imperative, the others are participles. They qualify the imperative. 
Anybody want to guess? What is the one imperative out of the four verbs? The one thing that we have to do. The rest just describe how we're to do it. Huh? Anybody? Who wants to say go? Who wants to say make disciples? Who wants to say teach? Who wants to say baptize? A lot of you guys didn't answer. You're cheating. You're just waiting on the right answer, and you're going to agree with it. I'm there. Whatever. The one imperative is actually make disciples. Make disciples. All right? Make disciples. Go, teach, baptize are all describing ways that we are to make disciples. The one imperative for us is that we are to make disciples. Mathetes, the word in Greek meaning a follower, a learner, one who is covered in the dust of their master's feet, meaning they walk so closely behind the one they're learning from that literally they get on them what their master's kicking up behind them. It's a pretty cool picture. We are to make disciples. Now, implicit in that is that you are a disciple. And then, secondly, that you care about having other people come to be disciples with you. So two main parts of God's vision for our life. One is this, that God will be glorified. And the second is this, that we might make disciples. All right? Can you turn to your neighbor and just tell them those two things without looking at the screen? What is God's desire and vision for us this year? Okay. Now, the way that we say this at ICC is this, and it's going to be on the screens. And if you don't know this already, I want you to memorize it because it's core. It's core to who we are. This is how we say it. It's just the language in which we speak it. All we're trying to do is spit back what God has already said to us in a way that we can get it, embrace it, understand it, and live it. We say this. We cherish and follow Jesus. And we bring everyone, everywhere, to do the same. We cherish and follow Jesus. And we bring everyone, everywhere, to do the same. What we're saying is, what we believe in each and every season of our life and of this church the vision that God has for you, I'm talking to you this morning, and the vision that God has for us collectively is that you would feel so deep down on fire for his purpose and vision for you that in your heart you would say, you know, I know that God has made me to cherish the Lord Jesus. He is to be everything to me. God has made me for this reason that he might be my everything. And that I might find my, all in all, my identity, my treasure, my satisfaction, my hope in him. And I'm to follow him with my life. Not only am I to cherish him, but I'm to follow him. I love to follow Jesus. What he does, I want to do. Where he leads me, I want to go. I want my life to reflect a pursuit of him. Some of you guys, you live life. Listen, I, I lived in the business world for a while. 
I know what it's like to pursue things. I know what it's like to pursue money. I know what it's like to pursue girls. I know what it's like to pursue prestige and attention. I know what it's like to pursue football. (laughs) We understand what it's like to pursue things. Okay, when you pursue something, when you set yourself to pursue something, stuff in your life changes because you're after that thing. Listen, when I was trying to pursue Michelle, you wouldn't believe the crazy stuff that I did for that girl. I almost went broke trying to, you know, grab her, and it worked. (laughs) I'm so thankful. I didn't buy her with money. I would need to clarify that. Stuff changes when we pursue something. What we're saying is that if we cherish Jesus and we follow Jesus, it Our lives are marked by an active pursuit. When we pursue Jesus, when we love him and want to pursue him, stuff in our life changes. You should be able to look at your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you, uh, the, the things that are priorities to you, the things that make you happy, the things that make you sad, those things automatically reflect what you're pursuing. Like it or not, it just shows you your heart. What we're saying is we cherish and pursue Jesus. Our life is oriented around him because it's about him. And our desire is to bring everyone everywhere to know him as we know him, to cherish and follow him too. That's what it means to make disciples. It's not some church word. It literally means the people in your school, the people in your neighborhood, the people who work next to you in the cubicles, those people... You desire to see those people know God just as you know God because you can't imagine life without him. That's a vision. Amen? That is a vision. Now you say, well, I've heard all this before. This is just stupid. Well, are you, is, is this indicative of your life? As you look back at last year, do you, do you evaluate 2013 with, God, how did I? come to cherish you more? How do I look at the pursuit of my life? Is it reflective of the core thing that you're about and that you want for me? And as you look forward in 2014, do you evaluate it on God? How do I cherish you more? How do I follow you closer? How do I bring other people into this as you desire me to do? Sometimes the most simple things are the things that are most overlooked. These, this is core. It's not lower room stuff. This is upper room stuff. And this is the stuff that is eternally significant. Now, we as a church are unique. And, you know, the community that we're in, the passions that are in our heart, uh, the things that... God has put upon us that we feel called to. It's unique. It's different than other churches. And that's okay. Three words that I want you to write down that are central to our church are this. Transformation, equipping, and mission. We had a uh, meeting recently. We were talking about this uh, with leadership. And, you know very much in our heart uh, for this next year. Very much, you know, these are three things that I think we do 
really well. We feel called to do them, and we're doing them, and we're doing them well. Our greatest success in the vision that God has given us come in these areas. Transformation. Let me just read for you what that means. We, we wrote it down. We love to see people get the gospel. Learning to truly cherish and follow Christ. To receive and to live in the grace and freedom of the gospel and the church. And embrace the call of the gospel to serve the poor, win the lost, and reach the nations. A lot of people have this story when they come to Memphis. You know, I came to Memphis not really knowing why I was coming to Memphis. I didn't even know I was going to be in Memphis. God brought me to Memphis. I don't even think I want to be in Memphis for a long time. But now that I'm here, I realize that God wanted to change me here. Anybody have that story? Okay, three of us. Okay, more, more of you. Okay, good. Hand in the back. I see that hand. Uh, transformation. God wants to radically reshape us. And we believe that God has blessed us and called us and gifted us as a church to be an aid of God in the transformation of his people. To see you move from a place of religious attendance on Sundays, adherence with your mouth to a place that you truly get it, that you get it deep, deep down. It's real to you and that it reshapes everything about you. We feel called to transformation to transformational ministry where we get to see people like Glenn Roseberry. Glenn Roseberry, a few years back, walked into the church, coming out of a tough place in his life. He would just tell you this straight up, pursuing all kinds of things. God radically gripped his life, saved him from that stuff. He began to get involved in a Bible study with our church and eventually into church. Began to realize that his life was about God and not himself. Started serving, setting out chairs. He did the coffee on Sunday morning. Some of you have heard that video. He always put out the coffee and the little donuts and stuff on Sundays. That was his ministry. As he grew deeper and deeper into understanding the Lord and his desire for him, Glenn not only started doing coffee, but he began to serve the poor. As he began to serve the poor and getting to know guys in the Fraser area through one of our ministries, Impact, he began to realize that these guys were just being funneled through a system. They were just numbers that just got tracked through the system and nobody was really taking time to really get to know them and understand their needs. And Glenn came and said, hey guys, like, what, what are we supposed to do about this? I mean, do we have people that can help? And you know, these guys have more needs than just what they say on Saturdays. And, and we said, well, Glenn, you know, if you feel God's calling you to that, why don't you pursue it? Glenn started a Bible study on Thursday nights as a follow-up to guys who made decisions on Saturdays up in the Fraser area. He began to realize that they couldn't get the Bible study. He started to go pick him up. He had a little bitty sports car at the time. It's hard to fit a lot of people in a little sports car. What we began to see was that Glenn started selling off things. Began to dream about selling his sports car to get a bigger car. And eventually he got a big old town Lincoln. He was super cool. He drove that town Lincoln around with a smile on his face because it meant more guys that he could pick up to take the Bible study. I remember when Glenn came in and he said, hey guys, you know what? I don't really understand why we're spending so much money overseas for missions when there's so much need here at home. And he was kind of confused and concerned about all the money we put out to the nations because there was too much to do at home. We just prayed together, helped explain it the best we could. 
a few years back, we said we wanted everybody to go on a short-term mission trip. It's the best thing that you can do. Glenn signed up to go. Okay, I guess I'll go. Went to Tanzania. During the week in Tanzania, he realized that there are people in other places who have never heard the name of Jesus who are poorer than any people you'll ever meet here in Memphis. And God called him to the nations. Over a two-year period, we saw him sell off everything he's had, quit his job. Glenn has been living in Tanzania for a year and a half. And he has, he's the happiest he's ever been. That, my friends, is transformation. Amen? That's what God does in a person who's yielded and surrendered to him, who says, God, I want you to change me. I want to get it, really get it. You see a process. And that's what we believe that we're called to here. What's your story? How are you transforming? Second, equipping. We believe that God brings people here to this season. And we believe most of you, how many people think that they're going to be someplace other than Memphis for the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. It's like 70% of the church. Remember when I told you it wasn't about people? That's scary to me. <laughs> Hipster pastor, we're going to be together, man. It's going to be awesome. Um, we recognize that a lot of people are in Memphis for a season. They're preparing here to go other places. And we want to be a church that embraces that, not runs from it, but says, you know what? We're here for people who are here long-term, but we're also here for people who are here for a season. We want to invest in you. We want to pour ourselves into you. We want to train you up to get it and to serve and begin to embrace the things that God wants you to embrace so that you can be equipped to leave here, to live a life passionate for him forever. Amen? We want to embrace that call of equipping. We want that for you. And third, we are unabashedly on fire for missions. (laughs) We want, 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 want so bad for people who are the most needy and desperate for the grace and love and message of good news in Jesus Christ. We want so badly for them to have it that we are radically simple and strategic in movement toward the lost and broken and hurting of this community and of this world. And we want you to get that too. We want you to have your greatest dreams not be about yourself, but be about God and other people. That's what you should be about. You should care that Over 40% of the world today has never heard of the name of Jesus Christ and does not have a Christian church in their village. You should care about that. You should care about the desperate, dire needs of people here in this community and around the world. And you should ask, why do I spend so much time and money and energy and dreams on myself when there are people who are hurting and dying around the world without Jesus Christ? And you should embrace a missional attitude. And I'm telling you, as a church, we will continue to stay on mission and ask you again and again to come with us because this is what we believe God has called us to. Amen? This is what we believe is unique about our church and fulfilling the vision. Now, these four words behind me, you see them? Love, liberate, lead, launch. Y'all heard those words before? That's the way we describe how it is that we fulfill the mission God has given us in the ways that we feel like God has given. If you want practical markers for how this looks in your life, I want you to remember love, liberate, lead, and launch. Love meaning love 
God and love others. Essentially, what we mean is authentic worship. I think on the next slide, you've got it. Wholehearted worship and authentic relationships. Loving God and loving others. Now, again, I'm just describing the priorities of the life who is truly on fire for Jesus Christ. I'm not giving you a to-do list of things that say doing these things make you a disciple. No, what I'm saying is if you're a disciple, if you cherish and follow Jesus, these are the things that you do. It starts in your heart. The outflow are these things. You want to evaluate whether or not you cherish and follow? Do you love God? Are you wholehearted in your worship? Do you get excited about coming in on Sundays? And pouring your heart out to the Lord. Do you want to come in and pray? Do you want to come in and give? Do you want to come in and enjoy his fellowship here on Sundays? Because you enjoy the presence of God. Do you seek him in the morning? Do you spend time with him in his word every day? Is worship real in your life? Secondly, do you have authentic relationships? Loving other people means that you are known and you know. People actually know you and you actually love other people and other people actually love you for who you are you've got real gospel centered relationships love is your mark is your life marked by love of God and love of others should be these are the marks of a true disciple and in 2014 I'm so thankful that Robbie has got such a big vision for us with worship and how we can experience more wholehearted worship together and that we'll continue to provide opportunities for you to connect with other people in real ways. Liberate. What do we mean by liberate? What we mean is two things. We mean selfless service and we mean willing witness. God has so changed us. We have experienced his grace and restoration so deeply in our life that it moves us to want to share his grace and share his gospel with others. The authentic disciple, one who is truly cherishing and follow Jesus, they're going to be serving others selflessly, and they're going to be sharing the gospel willingly. Because we can't imagine life in a place of brokenness and a place of need without Jesus Christ. Third, lead. What do we mean by lead? What we mean is intentional discipleship. You should be so moved by God's word and spirit in your life that you are moved into intentional relationships that grow your desire and intimacy and obedience to Jesus. You should be involved in intentional discipleship where people are pouring into you what they know of the Lord and you're pouring out into other people what you know of the Lord. That's what it means. In 2014, man, (laughs) with Liberate, We're so stinking excited about all the places we get to serve in our community, all the partnerships that God has given us to make a difference right here at home with the needy and broken. We're so excited about the chance to share the gospel with a community that desperately needs it. And with LEAD, we're so stinking excited about our small groups. This is where the rubber hits the road, man. You get to know people. You get to study the word together. They're all based on our Sunday times. It's just awesome to be involved in a small group. Fourth and finally, launch. 
What we mean by launch is simply movement toward the nations. You need to be moving toward the nations. Every true follower of Jesus Christ, because God cares for the world, you care for the world too. He works that heart in you. And you long to make a difference in places where he is not known. I want every person in 2014 to think about going on a short-term mission trip. We had 60 people last year. I want 100 this year. Amen? Let's go. Why are you, what's stopping you? I'll help pay for it. Come on. We got folks that'll give you the money to go. Listen, we all should go. Take a vacation week this year. Let's go together. Okay? Deal? I'm signing you up right now. We're all going. Six opportunities this year. You need to go. If you can't go, if you absolutely just can't go, give. Even if you can't go, give. Give. And when your giving is absolutely done, you can always pray. We should all pray. We should all give and we should all go for the sake of making his name great among people who have not yet heard. Amen? And you should also think about, some of you guys, I know God's working in your life. You should think about, is this the year that you just need to say, I'm going to move. God's been stirring at me for a while, and I just, I just, it's time. I want to go. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know the things that I've been waiting on. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know that it's time. And I just want to go. And we're going to get behind you as a church, just like we did for Glenn, and just like we did for Kristen. And we'll send you with a smile on our face. 2014, Super Bowl Sunday. God has a vision for you this year. And he has a vision for our church. And it looks like you learning to cherish and follow Jesus more this year than you ever have. We're gonna stand beside you, rooting for transformation, ready to equip you, wanting to send you out. We're gonna evaluate whether or not you cherish and follow based on do you love God? Do you love others? Are you selflessly serving? Are you willingly witnessing? Are you involved in intentional discipleship? Are you moving toward the nations? Because this is what, we, this is what it looks like. But the core question is in your heart. How are you saying, oh God, help me to treasure you more. Help me to cherish you more this year. What needs to change? How will that look for you in 2014? And how will it look for you to follow him more closely than ever before? What needs to be left behind? What needs to be embraced? It's a new year. It's a new season. I'm so excited to be sharing this journey with you. Let me pray and we'll close. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day of worship. Thank you for this day of reflecting, God, on the vision that you have for us. How awesome it is to know you, God. Our lives are for you. They are for you. You created this for your glory. God, you want to satisfy us so deep within. You gave your son Jesus so that we wouldn't have to be separated from you, but God, that we could be forgiven and come back to you and enjoy you forever. God, help us this year to cherish you, Lord, with all of our hearts, to find all of our satisfaction and joy and hope and identity in you. Lord, in these next moments, as we worship and respond, I pray that every person in this room will take seriously 
the invitation to evaluate whether or not we truly cherish you with everything that we are. And that we would say, oh God, help me to cherish you more in the year to come. What needs to be forsaken? What needs to be embraced? But I want my heart to be for you. God, we thank you that not only do you save us, but you call us to be a part of what you're doing in this world. It's the best life to live for you. Because in the end, only what's done for Christ will last. Our lives are not about us, they're about you. And we thank you that we get to be a part of it. I pray for every person here, Lord, this morning, that they would take seriously the invitation to evaluate whether or not we are wholeheartedly following you in every area of our life. Are we loving you? Are we loving others? Are we selflessly serving and willingly witnessing? Are we intentionally being discipled and moving toward the nations? Lord, help us to ask for your spirit to change us deep down that would overflow into changed lives that are more like you in the year to come. What areas this year, God, do you want to change us for your glory? Thank you for what you're going to do. Would you be glorified in our lives? in our church as we embrace the big vision that you have for us. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You'll stand and respond. I'm here if you wanna talk to me about knowing Jesus or if you wanna join this church or if you wanna come and pray in just an act of surrender, I'm here. Respond as God leads.